Thank you, Chris. Well, good morning, everyone. What a wonderful welcome at Abergavenny. The bridge was closed. You're now charging at your car park. It was in Welsh. I didn't understand a word of it. Then I realized there was a dual thing that you had to press. I pressed it four times, put four pound coins in. Kept coming out again. It's all right. I didn't lose it. In the end, Andrine got out the car and said, let me do it. She did it straight away. What is it about women that are able to do that? Marvellous to be here. And as Pastor Chris said, I was here on Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? Wednesday I was here. Here today. And then back again tomorrow. And they say retirement. You're supposed to take it easy when you're retired. I suddenly realised that this week I'm in Abergavenny, next week I'm in Manchester, the week after I'm in Doha, Qatar, the week after I'm in India, and the week after I'm back in Bristol. How many of you know that it just gets better and better? And uh, you never ever, although we talk about retiring, it's just really refiring and, uh, or putting new tyres on, that kind of retirement that there is. So it really is absolutely marvellous to be here. We certainly do feel very, very much at home, and the only thing is that sometimes, Andrine always comes with me when it's here on a Sunday, some places that I go to, she, she isn't able to, and, uh, but she loves to be here, but that means that I always have to be on my best behaviour. When your wife's sitting on the front row, well she's giving me the look now, so get on with it John, that's what she's saying. Fantastic, thank you Chris for the invitation to be a part of it. I, I actually want to share something that I, I don't very often make this claim, but I do believe there is a real prophetic element about what I want to share with you this morning. Can I do something a little bit different? Can, I, can we bring this down below? Can I go down there? Oh, it's recording, so I can't come down there. What happens if I want to come amongst you and prophesy? I can do that, but I can't come down to preach. Very good, very good. Actually, I'm not going to come down and prophesy either. Um, but I do believe there is a real prophetic element about what I want to share. It's a message, I'll be honest, that I've preached before. It's, it's a message that I saw in the Word of God some time ago. And every now and again, my heart gets stirred to return to this passage of Scripture. And because I was with you on Wednesday, and something that you said, Pastor Chris, right at the start, that there's a break-in going on in the atmosphere, that it really is a new day, that we're looking for God to do something fresh, I actually identify with that sentiment for you as a church and therefore for many of you as individuals. And so I went back home after that Wednesday and although I got something else that I was going to go, I really wanted to push in and bring a prophetic word to you. Are you ready to hear And have a heart that will receive the word of God. Help me to communicate, I pray, Lord Jesus, as I ask it in your name. Amen and amen. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me this morning, please, to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1. It says this in verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah. He was the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoth, and Aphromite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the other name was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up from his city yearly. Say the word yearly. 
some versions put it like this, year by year. Say year by year. This man went up year by year to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And also the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there as well. Actually, in just those few verses, we're introduced to something like seven different people. But I want to zero in for a few minutes on just three of them. Just three of them. And in order to do it, I'm really just going to retell a story. The Lord Jesus was a great storyteller. Did you know that? He taught the people through parables and through storytelling. And so, are you sitting comfy? Then I will begin. And I'll begin with a story. And it's all about a guy by the name of Elkanah. And Elkanah, and this bit I'm not going to go into. In fact, I would like Pastor Chris either at the end of the service or next week to preach on this subject, because Elkanah had two wives. And I'm certainly not going to get into that. Uh, Two wives means two mother-in-laws. What a blessed man Elkanah was. Uh, But I I, I don't want to kind of go there, but he says that he had uh, two wives. One was called Penina, and the other was called Hannah. And the Bible makes it very, very clear that Penina, let's call her wife number one. Wife number one, Penina, had children. And Hannah, wife number two, the Bible says, did not have any children. She was barren. Now, understand this, will you? That in those days, it was quite a shame upon the lady if she did not produce and give children to a husband. So Penina was the blessed one, Hannah, was the one that really, there was some shame attached to the fact that she was barren. But nevertheless, every single year, say each year, you'll get this by the end of the the morning, each year, every time I say that, I want you to shout it back to me, each year, each year, what used to happen is, uh, Ephraim used to, uh, sorry, Elkanah used to make his way down the mountains of Ephraim to uh, a place called Shiloh or Shiloh. And he'd go down this mountain with his wives, plural, and with his children. The children that were born to Penina, wife number one. And what they used to do is sacrifice to God through the priest that was down there. And every year, I said every year, this was something that happened. Like we have a conference and it's every year. And, and I, I, I've got a feeling that you're going to be having a women's conference. I think it could well be every year. And this happened every year. Elkanah made his way down with his wives and children. And it was the responsibility of the man, listen well to me men, to provide for his wives and his kids what they should sacrifice to the Lord. And so he would give out the sacrifices to his two wives and his children so they could offer up a sacrifice and worship every year. So far, so good, apart from it starts to get a little bit unfair. Two wives, and he didn't love them quite the same. He had one that was his favorite. And obviously you'd think that it would be the one that had given him children, but it wasn't. It was Hannah. And every year... He would give to Hannah a double portion. He would give more to her to offer in sacrifice than he did 
Penina. Now, I want you to put your feet into the sandals of Penina. How would you feel if you was the mother of his children, and yet every year your husband gave more to the other woman to offer him? It just doesn't seem fair. I have to say, it doesn't seem fair. And I can imagine that every year uh, there was a little bit of trouble that went on. And, and Penina would get at Hannah and say, why should you have twice as much as me? Why, you haven't even given our husband kids. And there he is, thinking that you are the beautiful one, or you are the one that he loves more. I just don't think it's fair. And I would say, I agree with you, Penina. But now, slip your feet into the sandals of Hannah. How would Hannah feel? She knew very well that what Penina was saying was true. She knew that she was barren. She knew probably deep down that she didn't deserve to have twice as much as the other woman, but her husband gave it to her. Like I said, there was some trouble every year. and Every year as they went down to worship and sacrifice, there was this bickering that would go on, and it was really quite something. It's interesting to realize this, and I'll just throw this in as a sideline, that they went down to offer sacrifice and worship. And those two things go together like fish and chips, like salt and pepper, like Liverpool Football Club and winning. They just go, they, they, they go together. And some of you have come here this morning and perhaps you don't feel like it, but the Bible says you've come to the place whereby you can offer a sacrifice of praise. Those of us that are Christians have to realize that it's not actually a yearly thing that we do that, but day by day, as the sun rises, new every day are the blessings of God. And we are to be those that offer our sacrifice and our praise to the God of our salvation. Well, they went down, and as I said, trouble happened. Why should you have twice as much? And on this one particular year, when the bickering was going on, it almost broke Hannah. So much so that she went alone. There are times when we need to get alone. It's very obvious that her heart was breaking, her heart was aching. Her emotions were full of anguish. In verse 10, you read about it. She was full of anguish and bitterness, and she prays a really, really deep prayer. You see, prayer doesn't really come from the mouth. It comes from the heart. And although her lips moved, no words came out. And she began to cry to the Lord because of what Penina had said to her. Why have you got this double portion and so forth? And her lips move, and she begins to cry out, God, will you look on my condition? And will you remember me? And will you let me have a boy child? It was quite a, a wonderful prayer. But one little bit that I've missed out, which is so easy to miss out, is that the reason that she was barren was not her fault. The reason that she was barren was not the devil at work. But it tells me that the Lord himself had closed her womb. Interesting that. 
Because very often we look with our eyes naturally at things and we see them and we interpret them. And if they seem to be bad, we attribute them to the enemy. But one of the things I'm going to be sharing about tomorrow in the victorious life that God has called us to live is that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purposes. And sometimes it is that seemingly bad things can be happening that God is right there to do something bigger and greater than we could ever know. It was the Lord that had closed the womb of Hannah. Oh, God, remember me. (laughs) Let me have a boy child. So far, so good at this. The priest looks on. He misinterpreted the situation. He thought that she was drunk because her lips were moving. No words were coming out. Did you know that very often we can become misunderstood by people who are believers? And there's a a lot of things that go on that the devil will use or turn around because of us not interpreting a situation correctly. We look on and we don't know what the full situation is. Nobody can fully know what's going on in your heart and life right now. We can raise our hands and we can sing and perhaps at times... You might respond a little bit incorrectly and wrongly. But perhaps other people would respond even worse if they were in your shoes. We don't know. Any rate, she's there and she cries out. And so far, so good. Apart from the next bit of the prayer in this story. (laughs) Why, oh, why she did this. You see, she says, God, please, please remember me. Let me have a boy child. But then she makes a promise. And she says, and if you do... If you answer this prayer and my womb is opened up and I have a boy child, then I will give him totally back to you so that he might become a priest and serve you all the days of his life. All right, praying that kind of prayer when you haven't got the kid. But what happens if God was to answer this prayer? It wouldn't be so easy then to fulfill the promise that she made on her knees on this occasion. As she pours out, verse 15 tells us, her heart to the Lord. Well, in the story, you can guess it even if you don't know it, and most of you do, of course, that Anna, her prayer is answered by the Lord in a very positive way. Not all the prayers that we pray are answered in the way that we would want, but he answers them. But in this particular occasion, the Lord opens a womb, and Hannah does conceive And she has a baby boy. His name is Samuel, which the very name means God has heard my cry or heard by God. A little baby boy is born. And what rejoicing there is. Well, you'd expect there to be. There's celebration, there's singing, there's worship. And why not? When God answers prayers in this kind of way, then we might well find it very fitting to sing and celebrate. We used to pastor up north. I won't mention the city again because you'll get sick to death of me talking about where we were for 13 years. Got a football team. But we were up there. We pioneered a church and there was a, I have to say, a beautiful couple, a godly couple. These were lovely, lovely people. And uh, they were married and they were praying that they uh, might have a child. And God kind of did something better than that, really. Um, 
Denise, her name was, she fell pregnant, and the pregnancy showed that it wasn't, it wasn't one, but there were twins inside. Uh, absolutely marvellous, marvellous, marvellous. She'd actually miscarried a, a number of times, and so she was very, very careful, and it went right through, right, right through, the twins growing inside the womb. And I don't know where I'd been, but I came back one night. Um, she was great with child then. And it was night time, and there were some people waiting to see me in our home. And they told me the news. That, in fact, uh, Denise, she was due to give birth to the children, but when she went for her final checkup, the one prior to the birth, there was no heartbeat in one of the children. No, no, no. In either of the children. Apparently, it's quite a common thing, but the cord can get around the neck. And they had to announce the news to Rich and Den that the children were dead inside of her. What a story. Godly couple. Godly couple. See, seemingly sometimes bad things happen to good people. I have to say, what made it even worse is they said that we're not going to operate we're going to wait the next 24, 48 hours or whatever it was, a very short time. And you will have to give birth to them naturally. And so Denise gave birth to two dead little babies. What a, it was horrific. I remember doing the funeral, they had two little white coffins because they had to be buried in a, in a proper ceremony and service, etc. Mm. So they prayed again. She'd now not only miscarried, but now lost two children. And they cried out to the Lord. I, I, I think they cried sometimes with tears flowing and no words coming out, but from here. You see, very, very quickly afterwards, she fell pregnant again. This time it was with one baby. And what a marvelous story. This time, a little boy was born. Do you know? Do you know what they called him? Samuel. Because God has heard my cry. I want to tell you when God hears our cry like that, there is much rejoicing. And it wasn't only Denise and Rich that celebrated, but we too joined with them in praising God for the one that heard and answered prayer. And so it was that the boy, Samuel, was weaned. He began to grow a little bit. But something used to happen every year. Every year, Elkanah would take Penina and Hannah and his children, which would have included now Samuel, down the mountains of Ephraim to Shiloh to offer the yearly sacrifice where there was praise and worship that took place. But a promise had been made with this prayer. What a dangerous thing to do. And yet, many of us that have been Christians for any length of time do it. We say, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. Uh, God, I'll serve you all the days of my life, but please heal so-and-so. Or we make a commitment at perhaps some big meeting and we come out with tears flowing down. We say, Lord, we'll do this, we'll do this. <laughs> and we mean it at the time. Uh, let me ask you, Hannah, did you mean it? 
You made a promise that if God were open the womb and you had a boy, you would dedicate that boy to serve God all the days of his life. I wonder if there's any here that have made promises to God and actually they haven't been fulfilled. Perhaps this morning is a time when you can recommit to fulfilling the promises that you made to God in that moment of consecration, in that moment of crying out to God. I'm glad to tell you, and you know the story. There came a time when the boy grew to the age when he could be taken down and handed over to the priest, Eli. And there, a change took place. For now, Hannah had honored her commitment to God, but it was no longer the responsibility of Anna to fulfill the destiny of her boy child, Samuel. You see, it wasn't Hannah that had to get up early every morning to sacrifice animals, to get her hands blooded by the blood of the animals. It it wasn't Hannah any longer that would have had to serve at the temple. It was the boy that she dedicated and given to Eli. I want to tell you something, that over your life, even before you was born, I believe this because you're here this morning, God had a great plan and destiny for you. God had something even before, while you was even in the womb. I want to tell you this, I don't, very, very rare I share this. I'm going to share it with you. It's kind of exciting. It's just dropped into my heart. But, but I, I, I shouldn't really have been born. My mum was 45 when she had me. She had me at home. And apparently my mum said that, that actually, she said I looked like a rabbit when I was born. That wasn't very complimentary, I didn't think. I mean, you could keep that from your child, couldn't you? But she said I looked like a little rabbit. And uh, she, she said, really, I was very, very uh, weak. <laughs> and very skinny. I don't know what's happened. Um, and apparently they, they said, you know, there's a chance that, that, that I'd either be, uh, there'd be something wrong with me or, or that I wouldn't live. Then she said this to me. She, she only told me once in my life. I wish I'd have talked to her more about it. She said, one day, when you was a little baby, next to me in the bed, and my mum wasn't, She said, an angel appeared to me. And she said, the angel spoke and said, don't worry. There's purpose and destiny over your child. That's quite something, isn't it, here? I wish I'd have spoken more to her and asked her about it. But you see, whether she'd heard that angel or not, the truth was that there is purpose and destiny over everybody. There's purpose and destiny over you. Samuel, there's purpose and destiny over you. You've had a mum that's been praying for you. And I'd had a mum that was praying for me. And you, some of you here, had mums and dads that were praying for you. Or a grandma or a granddad or somebody way back that you didn't even know about. But they somehow took hold of God and put a prayer over your life. Wonderful. But they fulfilled their part of it now. Actually, to fulfill the destiny over our lives, it's not down to my mum to fulfill mine. She's gone to be with Jesus many, many years ago. No, 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 no. The only one that could fulfill the purpose and destiny over my life is me. 
The only person that can fulfill God's destiny in your life is not your husband, not your wife, not your son, your daughter, your mum, your dad, your pastor. Is you. Samuel, what are you going to do about this? Your mum's done her part. What are you going to do? <laughs> the Bible says that actually he fulfilled it pretty good. He fulfilled it pretty good because even as a child... He was a worshipper of the Lord. That's great, isn't it? The kids have gone out. Do you know they can be taught the ways of worship? It doesn't need to be till we wait here and are led in praise and worship. They can learn songs and they can learn an attitude of worship. Well, he did that. He served, it would seem, very, very well and fulfilled it. And I would ask that you do the same. There are no shortcuts. The truth is it would have been pretty difficult. It was Samuel himself who had to devote himself and develop in the service of the Lord. Every day he would have gone through the rituals. God's destiny over you means that it's not necessarily easy, but each and every one of us daily are responsible for the disciplines and the devotions in order to develop and move into our destiny. There are no shortcuts. Where are? the Samuels of today? And will you decide for yourself to push in and enter into all that God's got for you? And so, to the climax and the prophetic element for you as an individual, I hope it goes from here, you're hearing me now, to here. Are you holding on to your seats? When I first saw this, it was one of these things that's revolutionized my life. It's that significant for me personally, and I wish I could convey it to you. It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. But Samuel ministered, that means he worshipped. That word ministered there can be worshipped. He was a worshipper. But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child. Hallelujah. And he was wearing a linen ephod. And moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him every year. <laughs> when she came up with a husband to offer every year the sacrifice. Well, there you go. Wasn't it wonderful? How many of you got that? Wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't that one of the best words you've ever heard? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Because it hasn't become revelation to you. Listen well to what I say. When you move from junior school to senior school, there's a development that means that you become a senior all of a sudden. And I remember, I can remember the very first day I went to senior school. Why? Because my mum and dad had put me in a new uniform. The only thing was, I didn't like the uniform, and neither did half of my mates. Do you know why? Because the jacket was too big for me, and the trousers, my long trousers for the very first time, they were almost dragging on the floor. And we'd go into school, and you could almost hear the other kids, look at these new ones. <laughs> Everything was too big. It was ridiculous. What were my mum and dad up to? Of course, 
Mum and Dad knew something that I didn't know. Because at the end of the school year, Oh, I can't wait for me mum and dad to buy me some new clothes. Look at this. They're too short. The jacket doesn't fit. Because something had happened in the course of the year. I had grown. I'd got bigger. I'd developed. Year by year... They would make their way down the mountain, but now something was happening. The Bible says that Hannah carried something under her arm. She carried a new linen ephod. She carried a new piece of clothing. So that when she saw her son now, year by year, she would present him with a bigger jacket. She would present him with something that he could grow into, that he could develop in. And this happened year by year. Chris, this is undoubtedly a significant year for you. I identify with the prophetic utterance that you brought, perhaps not in a prophetic voice and way, but you prophesied it, that there's something broken in the atmosphere, that God's doing something fresh at Gateway Church. I will say an amen to that, will you? It certainly is. There's a rising up in the worship. Uh, There's a new dance coming into the steps of those of us that love and know the Lord. Uh, Now, it's not so difficult to witness because people are almost coming into the building and say, what must we do to be saved? Well, you've even had people come into the building that didn't even know it was a place of worship necessary and say, hey, what's happening here? I'll tell you what's happening. There's a breaking going on. Oh, but listen, in order to fulfill the destiny of the church... It means that you've got to put on a bigger jacket. It means you've got to grow. You can't remain the same. So corporately as a church, your vision has got to get bigger. The dynamics and the actual practicalities of church have got to alter to accommodate what God is and will do in this coming year. It means change. And actually, the older we get, the less we like change. But I'm here to tell you, as someone that's been a Christian for a long time, well over 50 years a Christian, nearly 50 years in kind of a full-time type, we're all in full-time ministry, but you'll know what I mean by that. 50 years. Listen, if Andrew and I remained the same in 2020, As we were in 2019, we've missed the fact that a greater than Alcana made his way not down a mountain, but from heaven. He didn't make his way down a mountain, but he went to a mountain. It was called Calvary. And there a greater than Alcana gave his life and shed his blood in order that he might present to us something that said, come on. It's not the end yet. Until you breathe your last breath, you can grow, you can develop, and you need to put on either a greater anointing or you need to put on a bigger jacket to move into all that God has got for you. 
Too many Christians and too many leaders, they have a containment mentality instead of an enlargement mentality to expand and to increase and to grow. Did you know that this year, God will in any rate, we're certainly a part of a pioneer team to pioneer another church. Hallelujah. I like the thought of that. We'll never ever lead it. We're not going to lead it, but at the moment we're just taking a bit of a lead in it just to help get it going. And you know what? We sat there this morning and Andrew said, Hey, have you not seen that sign? She said, What a beautiful, beautiful logo. We're calling the church Generations Church. The G and the C, and we might nick something of the sign, because it ain't yours anyway, come on. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. I might be fast approaching 7 a few years yet, might be fast approaching 68. <laughs> Jolly old 68 next month. Oh, my God, I need to... Chris, I don't care what you said to me. Oh, dear. I just need to sit down for a minute. Listen, I'm fast approaching 68, but there's still life in this old boy yet. I'll tell you why. Because I want to put on a bigger jacket. I want to grow some this year. I want to move into the destiny that God has got for me. Oh, and so I hope now things have begun to click in. It means that this year you... You can grow in your spiritual gifts. You can grow in your spiritual maturity. You can grow in your spiritual understanding. You can grow in your spiritual sacrifice and service. My own testimony. Testimony of pioneering. Oh, no, first of all, assistant pastor at a little church in Wallington, London. Fantastic. I must admit, I didn't feel capable of being the youth pastor there. God whispered into my ear, put on a bigger jacket. <laughs> a couple of years later, we went to pioneer a church in the Isle of Wight. <sighs> I like the Isle of Wight. There'd been somebody there, there was about six people, and they'd got a little building. On the very first time I went, they handed me the keys to the building. I was 21. I said, this is ridiculous. Put on. I bigger jacket. It's a new year. And there we moved to Bedworth. Bedworth. My hometown. But you can't pioneer there. Prophet is without honor, saving his own country. That's okay, I'm not a prophet. We went. And although I didn't feel able or capable, God whispered, it's time, John, to grow up a bit. Put on a bigger jacket. And from there... To Liverpool, a city where we had a city church. Fabulous, fabulous time. Felt very, very lacking to go to that city and pioneer afresh. God was saying, put on a bigger jacket. From there we went to Exeter, an established church that had had tremendous problems actually at the time. Put on a bigger jacket. And then perhaps one of the biggest calls ever. Time to leave your family. Time to leave your friends. Get out and go to a new country. So we emigrated. Went to Australia. Part of a... I was number two there in the church of 5,000. Boy, oh boy, I remember looking out. I had, I had more staff than there are in here under me. More staff in the church. I tell you this, you feel... Oh, this, is, this, this, this is ridiculous. But 
John, I want you to grow. It's a new year. And then we came home to the biggest jacket of all. <laughs> Dear me. I don't think I ever grew into this one fully regarding the Assemblies of God and leading that for some eight years. Never, ever felt capable or able of that one. And even at the end, still felt a certain lacking in that area. But I do know this. It was really the leading of the Lord. It wasn't anything we looked for. So, John, if you're going to fulfill your destiny, grow up a bit. Grow up. And then even in what's called retirement, when everything alters, what doesn't alter is that God wants to put a new mantle upon you. A new cloak. You see, we never, ever, ever outgrow the fact that each year God has something fresh for us. And in February 2020, I just wanted to come and speak prophetically into the church and say, are you prepared to put on a bigger jacket? Those of you in leadership, those of you that are support workers, for the harvest truly is great, but it's the laborers that are few. Some of you have got to change your attitude. Some of you have got to enter into new ministries. Some of you have got to know what it is to begin to pray, not from here, but from here. Some of you have got to be willing to be misunderstood. Some of you have got to realize that the thing that seems bad is actually working together for your good. I don't know what it is. But I do know this, that as a church, that's got to happen. And that happens when individuals grasp this wonderful truth. That year... By year, year by year, you've got it now. There was someone that made their way down the mountains to provide a bigger cloak. And I've just got this gut feeling, folk. Weigh it up, throw it out or take it. But God's got a bigger jacket for you all to put on. God bless you. Well, 